Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, in today for Mina Kim. Coming up, after 15 months of the pandemic, life is slowly returning to normal across California. And yet, many of us are feeling overwhelmed and exhausted from working too much at home while juggling kids and their education and missing friends and family. We'll look at what's led to widespread burnout and what you and your employer can do to prevent it and help treat it. Then, after Las Vegas Raiders player Carl Nassib became the first active NFL player to come out this week, we'll ask what took so long and whether his announcement might clear the way for other LGBT athletes to be open about their sexual orientation. That's next, right after the news. Good morning and welcome to KQED Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer here today for Mina Kim. Well, life is beginning its return to some semblance of normal as we set aside our masks and venture out as we did before the pandemic. I actually wore a suit to work today. That was weird. Well, as workers start returning to offices, some are dealing with pandemic hangovers in the form of burnout, you know, feeling exhausted, ineffective, and unmotivated to do the jobs they once enjoyed. And experts say burnout, often caused by chronic stress, won't be fixed, won't be fixed by time off or even quitting a job. So then, how do we heal from post-pandemic burnout? We've got a couple guests to talk about all that and much more. Jessica Louie is a burnout coach and host of the Burnout Doctor podcast. Jessica, good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. And also with us, Kate Donovan, another burnout expert and host of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. Kate, welcome to you as well. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to have this conversation. Well, it's an important one. And let me begin with you, Jessica. What is it? It seems obvious, but what is it about the pandemic and now its aftermath that kind of made it or makes it the perfect storm for contributing to burnout? 
Yes, I, this is a great question. I think that whenever we are in the state of transition, which we've been in a state of transition for several months now, as things have changed over the last 15 months, we are at an increased likelihood of having that chronic stress turn into burnout. And a lot of us, you know, either put self pressure on ourselves or high performers or perfectionists. And when we are those qualities or people pleasers, it can really increase the likelihood that we are experiencing stress that would maybe turn into burnout. And what are some of the you know classic symptoms of that? So in terms of burnout, we think of three classic symptoms, the exhaustion, the cynicism, and the decreased self-efficacy. So basically, if you never feel fully rested uh, because of that exhaustion, physically, emotionally, um, you're, you're reaching for more coffee throughout the day, things like that, um, for cynicism or depersonalizations, maybe you feel disconnected, you know, disconnected from coworkers, understandably, um, customers or clients and things. Um, And that decreased self-efficacy thinking that, you know, are you really making a difference uh, in the world or in your career right now? So, you know, these questions start popping up and they could be warning signs that you are transitioning into burnout. And Kate Donovan, uh, how seriously do you think people take the whole idea of burnout? I mean, to what extent uh, do they think that it happens to them as opposed to happening to other people? I think that when burnout is serious enough, that's when people start taking it serious, when it prevents you from actually living your day-to-day life normally, when you are worried that you are unable to perform at work when the relationships within your family are becoming strained, this is when people start to say, yeah, well, maybe this is actually affecting me. But I think as a general rule, people tend to think it's simply a mental problem that can be pushed through, which is not at all supported by the research. And do you notice any differences between men and women, either in terms of susceptibility to burnout or how they deal with it or don't? Yeah, absolutely. So in the society that we live in right now, there are different sort of factors that add to male burnout, female burnout. And, you know, for women right now with the pandemic, a lot of people are taking on more childcare and turning into teachers and doing all of this extra work. And the bulk of that work falls on generally the female partner. And that's not 100% true in 100% of cases, of course, but it does happen to be the statistic that we know. And so just the added burden of doing things, doing more things was a burnout factor right now. But for men in that same situation with the uncertainty financially that was happening in the beginning, people were being let go, companies weren't hiring, a lot of things changed. That financial uncertainty can add a huge factor on the male side. And Jessica Louis, as we think back to the beginning of the pandemic, it seems so long ago now in some ways, but those essential workers, you know, who were on the front lines working, I'm thinking even especially like in New York City, where it initially spiked and there were so many deaths and so many healthcare workers got sick. Uh, I mean, that's an sort of an obvious kind of burnout. How is it different for white collar workers or people, you know, who aren't necessarily working in a setting where they are personally at risk or just overwhelmed constantly by what they have to do? That's a great question. And as a critical care pharmacist myself, I definitely saw that burden on our healthcare workers and frontline workers. And I think that in general, you know, outside the pandemic, inside the pandemic, burnout happens to everyone in a little bit different way. It's very individualistic. Um, And basically, it's 
you know, this combination of your personal life and your work life colliding with one another. And, you know, people in any setting can experience it. I like to think of, you know, there's all these different factors in our life, not just our work, uh, thinking about, you know, there's health and mental, emotional health, there's family, friends, financial health. And when any of those are misaligned, we can feel, you know, higher levels of stress. We can feel that we don't know where to focus our time and energy. And I think that there's a lot of competing factors because of technology and how we communicate with one another that's weighing people down. And I like to think of it as different types of clutter really affecting our lives that is influencing burnout in general in the population. And just because the two of you are experts on burnout doesn't mean that you're both not susceptible to it. And I, I'm just wondering, each of you, and I'll start with you, Kate, I mean, do you have a, a personal story of burnout uh, over the past 15 months or so? Over the past 15 months, I would say no. Um, over the past eight years, definitely lots of stories. But I have gotten myself to the point now, I won't even say I've gotten myself. I have used support and resources that are available to me to ensure that I feel safe when things are overwhelming. And in addition to the pandemic, I'm an acupuncturist in New York City. So I was my office was closed for four months. So while some healthcare workers were working overtime, I was forced to let go of a huge portion of my income for months and months at a time, which is its own stressor. And we had just returned to the United States after living for Europe in 12 years. And so we were unable to go out and see people and do things after this major life event. So there was a lot going on for me, but I've learned enough tools and tricks over the years to keep myself safe. Jessica Louie, what about you? I would echo what Kate just said in terms of, you know, I experienced a lot of burnout five, six years ago and having those tools and investment in myself, uh, and those resources, because basically when we address burnout, it's addressing how we're going to build up our muscles, uh, just like fitness of preventing it in the future, addressing it early on. And it's not something that, uh, we may not experience the, the definite low in our life again. Um, but we are continually preventing it and having those resources available. And what kind of resources, what kind of tools are you referring to? So I think, uh, I mean, that's different for every person, um, but I like to use a simple three-part system where we really clarify, you know, what we want in life, what's our purpose, why we wake up in the morning generally, how we simplify our life, uh, simplifying, you know, not only the physical clutter, but mental, emotional clutter in our life. And then finally, how we achieve work-life alignment. Uh, you know, I don't think work-life balance is something that is achievable. It's about how we align our work into our life instead of the other way around. Kate, what would you add to that? For me, my favorite tool is resentment. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and I know that's a little work? different. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so resentment, when we see resentment popping up in our lives, that's where we know where boundaries have been broken down, right? So some of the boundaries have been broken down because we've stepped outside of rules that we made for ourselves. So we've overstepped our own internal boundaries. And some boundaries have been broken down by people entering from the outside, breaking down boundaries that we've put up or that we thought we put up because they're invisible. There's a lot of things that we assume that people should know about us, that people don't know about us. So sometimes the boundaries are invisible. But when we pay attention to resentment, we'll see a lot of places that we are losing energy that we have control over. And so when I pay attention to the resentment in my life from now moving forward, what happens is where I see it popping up, I think, okay, how do I need to change my behavior 
in order to, like Jessica was saying, get back in alignment with my values, get back in alignment with how I want my life to be on a day-to-day basis. But I start with looking at the difficult part, not looking at the nice part. (laughs) When I uh, listen to the things, Jessica, that you listed in terms of tools, clarifying goals, simplifying your life, striking a work-life balance, I think, you know, not everyone can do that uh, because of the kind of job they have, the economic circumstances they have. A lot of people just don't have control over their situation at work, for example. And so I'm just wondering, like, to what extent is this sort of a a luxury, you know, to be able to think about these kind of things and most importantly, to do something about them? Right. I think that a lot of people feel this way at the beginning. And I think that it's important to realize that no matter what circumstance you're in, you have control of something in your life. You know, whether that be something very small in your life, you have control over if you go outside today or if you, um, you know, what time you get up in the mornings, you know, it's really simple things. You have some type of control over, even if you don't realize it at the beginning. And I think that it's really important. We realize that we can take small baby steps at the beginning. This doesn't happen overnight where we're going to reset our burnout tomorrow. And I like to um, use the analogy, you know, we, when we're decluttering our, our physical items, we don't just let go of all of our items overnight. We accumulated them over years to decades of our life. And I think it's very similar with burnout that we want this quick pill, this quick fix, but in general, it's going to take some investment of your time and energy to start those small baby steps. You know, one small win in your life will start accumulating and compounding over time. And you're going to see this big transformation potentially over months um, to begin with. And uh, Kate, we're coming up on a break so quickly, and this is, we can come back to it after the break, but I just wonder if it's possible that all this talk about burnout in the workplace actually leads to more people feeling burned out. Is that possible? Yeah, and I almost hope that it does, to be honest, because I think that the system that we're functioning within right now is no longer suitable for our human needs and for the advancements that we've made. We're still stuck in the industrial revolution, but we are beyond the industrial revolution. So I think the more people that are paying attention to it and saying, this system isn't working anymore, we can't do it like this anymore, we refuse to do it like this going forward, that will be a huge component to actually shifting the way that we live and function. And I think that that's necessary to end burnout culture. All right. We're going to continue talking about burnout and how to deal with it and heal from it with Jessica Louie and Kate Donovan. And we'd love to hear from you. Do you have an experience of burnout to share? If so, how did you overcome it? Or maybe you didn't. How does burnout show up for you? And what advice or tips do you have for dealing with burnout? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or if you prefer, send us an email. It's forum at kqed.org. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
Welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here this hour from Mina Kim. We're talking about burnout and how to deal with it, how to heal from it with Jessica Louie, burnout coach and host of the Burnout Dr. Bot podcast. Also, Kate Donovan, burnout expert and host of Fried, the Burnout podcast. We'd love to hear from you. This is uh, something that we just want to really get your input on this, how you're dealing with. Are you experiencing burnout? How did you overcome it? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. This is uh, a relatively short segment. We've got another 20 minutes or so. So now is a good time to call in if you want to talk with us. 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email if you like that better, forum at kqed.org. Here's a comment from Emma who writes, over the last year, I've become really stiff and sore. I find my shoulders are always shrugged. Uh, I also feel like my mental acuity has taken a dive. Could those be related to burnout? Jessica? Yeah, so I definitely have uh, felt that in the past as well. And I think that whenever we're experiencing stress, we can manifest it physically right? Um, so it may be, you know, you're in a stressful situation. You may not be completely towards the burnout syndrome just yet, but acknowledging that is really important. And one tip I have for you is I call it mastering transitions throughout the day. So if you're feeling sore or stiff, making sure that you have a reminder to get up um, and stretch, do some deep breathing exercises every hour. And if you don't think this is possible, just try for 30 seconds or 60 seconds to begin with to try to relieve that tension uh, and, you know, let go of any negative energy you feel so that you can start the next activity in your day with a new positive mindset. And Kate, uh, you know, just looking at Emma's comment there about her shoulders being shrugged, I'm thinking about so many of us working at home for so long, we don't necessarily have ergonomic workstations, uh, you know, in our spare bedrooms or at the kitchen table. How, how does, how does working at home contribute to those physical symptoms? Massively. And I just did a, not just did, I just compiled the information. I've been running a survey for about two years about people's physical and emotional experiences of burnout and muscle tightness and inflexibility are in up to 74% of people who self-report as having burnout. Yeah. Here's another comment from a listener who writes, we often think of burnout as a work problem, but how do you know if your family or social life is what's burning you out? Jessica? Yeah. So, uh, I think a lot of times we think of it as a work problem, but you know, our, our life is not just work. So it can be, you know, contributing factors from our personal life, from relationships, from family, from financial situations. So I definitely think that it's important to take that in consideration because you kind of feel misaligned in those other areas of your life. And it's important to start taking steps to, you know, let go of any toxic relationships or surround yourself with people that are bringing positivity into your life. Talking about dealing with burnout in this post, almost post-pandemic, depending on where you live, with Jessica Louie, uh, who hosts the Burnout Doctor podcast, and Kate Donovan, who hosts a different podcast, Fried the Burnout Podcast. Who knew there were all these burnout podcasts out there? Well, now you do. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Share your own experience with burnout. It doesn't have to be from the pandemic. Maybe it was an earlier time in your life. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Um, I was reading somewhere, Kate, that in Sweden, uh, I think it was Sweden, you can actually take sick time for being burned out. Um, 
How does that work? And are, are, is the United States sort of an outlier when it comes to dealing with things like this? Yes, absolutely. I lived 12 years in Europe, so I'm pretty familiar with the healthcare systems in quite a few different countries because as an acupuncturist, I was connected to a lot of other acupuncturists in various countries. And we talked about these things a lot. It's common in the Netherlands, in Sweden, actually in all of Scandinavia, you can take time off kind of whenever you need it, as long as a doctor writes you a note and you get normally paid anywhere from 50 to 75% of your salary when you're off. Hmm. And the fact that we don't necessarily, most workplaces probably don't specifically offer that. I mean, it seems, Kate Donovan, almost consistent with how we treat mental health generally in this country. It is. Yes, it absolutely is. And the World Health Organization, when it decided to label burnout as an occupational phenomenon in 2019, uh, I thought that that might make some changes, but it has not. Unfortunately, no. And uh, Jessica, I mean, not only is it, uh, you know, do we work crazy hours, but like in the U.S., it's not that unusual for a new job to offer somebody two weeks off, uh, which I think, you know, most uh, industrialized countries, most of Europe thinks is just nuts. And, and a lot of us feel guilty even if we take what little time off we have, right? I mean, that, that, is that a symptom uh, of burnout, Jessica, or, or a contributor to it for sure? I think that's part of the burnout culture that's happening in the United States currently, because, you know, if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to take care of our team members, our clients, our patients, whoever is that, you know, on the other side of our work. And I think that we're starting to realize that in the United States and, you know, leaders and people within corporations can start to lead by example that they are taking their vacation time, they're taking their sick time, they're you know, setting boundaries up where they're not sending emails outside of work hours and things like that so that employees and team members feel that they can also do the same uh, without any guilt or resentment. We're talking about burnout, of course, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Share a time when you felt burned out and how you dealt with it. 866-733-6786 is the number. 866-733-6786. Or maybe you have a question for our two guests, Jessica Louie and Kate Donovan. Um, there was an article, Kate, in The New Yorker, I think it was this week, all about burnout and uh, um, suggests that it in the 70s, you know, that this whole idea of burnout has evolved. You know, in the 70s, it meant somebody who smoked class and uh, skipped class and smoked pot or later sort of Vietnam vets who were damaged by the war kind of evolved into meaning, you know, people who were just down on their luck living on Skid Row. And now it, it's like people who want everything and work too hard. How much of that is, uh, you know, a modern definition of burnout? We just, and I think one of you said that at the beginning, we're, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get all the things we want. Kate? I think that that's part of it. But when you really dig into the reasons behind burnout, there are internal and external reasons behind it. Part of it is the burnout culture that we're in, this idea that we have to always pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we have to be responsible for everything. We have to do everything on our own, et cetera, et cetera. But there are a lot of internal factors that are involved in this as well. And the research that we're still currently using for how to determine burnout is from 1982. So that hasn't changed very much over the years. That research was based on corporate workers and hospital workers, and we're still using it. So in the medical literature, in the research, it hasn't actually shifted that much. And I think that we're actually due for an update. 
All right, let's take some phone calls. Again, the number to call, 866-733-6786. And let's go to Shane in Redwood City. You're first. Hi, thanks for taking my call. A really interesting segment. And my uh, question actually is around long COVID because I I have a few friends who um, who actually tested positive for COVID at some point, but they were asymptomatic. Hmm. And um, I'm wondering, like, with the long COVID, the mental fog, the fatigue people feel, and I've, maybe it's, you know, psychosomatic, but I've felt it myself. I've sort of felt like, you know, dealing with the past year and a half and, and trying to stay focused has been difficult. Do mm-hmm. you think there's a correlation? Is it possible that a lot of people may have had it, not realized they had it, and it's impacting their own uh, ability to work through the world and their own burnout, frankly, yeah. with um, kind of dealing with the pandemic? Yeah, that's interesting. Jessica Louie, what do you think? Uh, so I think, I mean, it could be a possibility. I definitely think uh, more literature, more research needs to be done on, you know, post-pandemic, um, you know, disease states and things. And, you know, we have, I'm actually part of the post-ICU syndrome um, research. And, you know, we know ICU patients experience long-term consequences. I'm not sure about, um, you know, mild disease. Yeah. And Kate uh, Donovan, what would you suggest for Shane? Is there any, you know, tool uh, in su- for somebody who, you know, may be experiencing that, those long COVID symptoms? Yeah. Long holer symptoms are really serious and a lot of them overlap with what we're seeing in burnout. This is a really big discussion in the medical community right now. And I think that it is really important. I'm going to go real basic on this one. Go get some blood work done. Find out if you are slightly anemic, vitamin D deficient, if there's something basic happening in your body that you can fix with ease that will help you get back to some base level of functioning that is a little bit better than where you are now. I think it's always important to rely on the medicine that we have when we need it. Shane, is that helpful? Is that a possibility for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I I just saw my doctor this morning. So perfect timing. Good. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that and good luck. Uh, let's go to Novato now. And Elizabeth, you're next. I'm a middle school teacher, and I've been teaching for 32 years. I'm just retiring this year. and I know a lot of people are envious of me retiring because I've never seen my colleagues so completely burned out. Um, part of it is we were all so isolated. We were all having to work within our own pods. We weren't. None of us were meeting in person. And yet we would have classrooms uh, by the end of it up to 28, ki- 28 kids. The sixth grade teachers were, some of us were, um, in our district, we were starting at November 30th. We had started having kids as well as kids on Zoom. And we were just blown out because we were having to always overproject, deal with wearing masks, plus also being counselors and social counselors. We didn't have very much support from our admin because everybody was saying, we don't want to have all the admin here because we don't want to end up having to put all the admin into quarantine. So we were isolated as teachers. We didn't have our colleague help. And I am worried about my colleagues. I feel guilty leaving them because they are going to be going back to school mid-August and they really haven't even had a yeah. chance. Do you, Elizabeth, have a, excuse me, do you have a teacher's union? Yeah, we do. Yeah. I just wonder if you've reached out to them and you know, maybe there's something they can do in terms of getting some help for, for teachers. Because it certainly sounds like, I mean, burnout would be a classic uh, result of, of what teachers have been through for the last 15 months. Yeah, well, and the kids were so kind of blown out after being on Zoom so much. And because they were in pods, 
the social energy just was escalating and we didn't we I taught for five solid hours on you know in the classroom with kids moving in their pods and because they didn't have break or lunch they were losing it so i teachers were crying and i was crying and i i'm i've never had a problem with classroom discipline or anything like that the burnout just the sheer amount of stress yeah it was just beyond. I yeah, can, I can just hardly imagine. But Kate, uh, you know, I asked Elizabeth if she had a union. I mean, that's sort of an obvious place to go. If but most people don't work for you know companies or places that have unions. How can people? How can employees who are experiencing this talk to their employers? What tips would you have? This is a really important discussion, and my mother actually works in the school department, so I've been talking about this a lot over the course of the past year. And I think that the conversations need to be as clear and succinct as possible because the admin are just as stressed out as everybody else right now. They did not know what to do. They had to create new plans. Everything was overwhelming. The superintendents all over the country are out of their minds right now. So we need to bring it back down to basics and say, when we start next year, we need X, Y, Z, figure out really small things that you can ask for that you can actually get and implement. But in the meantime, over the summer, it has not been shown to be super helpful to vent consistently about the same thing. It doesn't do great things for your brain. So my advice for the summer would be to rest really deeply rest as much as you possibly can because you really need it and you deserve it. This year has thrown you for a loop and you deserve the time to restore yourself. Yeah. Elizabeth, thanks so much. And I hope hope we get some time off during the summer that allows you to do that. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. Bye. Here's a comment from Claire who writes, as a university student with learning and neurodevelopmental disabilities, I think I've been burned out on school since childhood. It's definitely been harder for the past 15 months during distance learning. I'm getting closer to the end of my time in university, and I'd love to hear if you have any suggestions on how to move on from a lifetime of burnout. Um, Kate? I love this question so much. I just did, there's a recent episode of Fried the Burnout podcast about ADHD and burnout. And in neurodivergence, there is a higher incidence of burnout because they are constantly being told to adjust themselves to fit a system that doesn't fit them. So the best advice is to go on and create your own systems. If the systems that people are giving you are not working, do the thing that you know works. If you have to set alarms for yourself for certain things or you need noise canceling headphones for other things, whatever it is that you need to do to make this work for you, implement all the things. There was a lot of really great advice on the podcast episode. Um, so I would suggest listening to that, but, but just know that the system is not designed to support you and it's really okay for you to go and, and figure out and use exactly what you need. Here's a comment from another listener who writes, my husband is almost certainly suffering due to work stresses. His bosses treat it like a joke. What can he do? Uh, we don't know what kind of work uh, he does. But, uh, you know, Jessica, Louie, w- w- what thoughts do you have? Again, dealing with employers who, I mean, it's one thing to not offer the services. It's another altogether to make fun of it. I mean, you really must feel helpless in a lot of ways. Right. And that's really unfortunate in some of the culture right now. I think it's important, you know, 
to realize that there's some things out of our control, um, but you as an employee can also act as a leader to other team members and model some of the leadership that you want to see in your organization um, and have clear communication about your own healthy boundaries that you're setting as an employee and as a team member. Um, I think it's also important to share wins with one another. So even if your boss uh, may not be on board, being able to share wins and those small things to celebrate as a team can be helpful. Um, and maybe, you know, set goals outside of that work setting yeah. that you're really excited to achieve, you know, whether that's health-wise or relationship-wise. All right, let's see if we can sneak another caller in before the break. Bob in Santa Clara, you're next. Hi, uh, this is, hi, this is Bob. Hey, Bob. So, sorry, I'm still working. So, basically, uh, I was working during a hot, um, basically, before the pandemic, we were working, um, I'm a postal worker. So, during December, we were working from 5 till 9 or even 10 o'clock at night. And pretty much right when the pandemic hit, we were just about to slow down, but then everyone was getting that $600 in the and then we were just looking 12 hours. Bob, Bob let me just interrupt you. Are you putting, are you working while you're talking to us? Are you putting mail in slots? Yes, I am. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that, let me just stop you because we are coming up on a break here. But um, so, I mean, obviously you're, you're exhibiting the very, you know, behavior you've got. You, you don't even have time to talk uh, about burnout. But let me, let me just see if I can get a quick comment from each of our guests for your situation. Jessica Louie, uh, you know, uh, people you know who are delivery people, postal workers like Bob. I mean, they're just really under the gun. Yeah, um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, it's really important, and we really appreciate all your hard work. Um, and I think it's really unfortunate um, that that the hours are so long uh, for so many of you. And I think, you know. I, um, I don't have a really clear um, way uh, to give you advice, um, but I mean, owning your time outside of work, uh, making sure it's filled with things that are restful and recovery to you. Um, and then, you know, having some type of gratitude at the end of the day for something that um, brought you some yeah. joy. Um, well, and I think this is also a case we can help people like Bob. I mean, he's delivering the mail. Thank him, you know, when you see him on the route. I mean, a lot of these folks get yelled at for one thing or another, and that just contributes to the stress and the burnout. So, Bob, hang in there. Thanks for calling, and thank you for the work you do, and uh, we, we couldn't uh, couldn't get by without you, so thank you. Thanks also to our guests, Jessica Louie. She hosts the Burnout Doctor podcast, and Kate Donovan, also a burnout expert and host of Fried, the Burnout podcast. Thank you both so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're going to hear more from Forum coming up after a short break. We're going to be talking about the NFL player who came out as gay this week. Is he the first of many or an aberration? We'll see. We'll talk with Rick Welts, formerly of the Golden State Warriors. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.